yeah so straight away to dive in how does someone go from texol to piano man from importing biometric software i think you said to uh, becoming a yeah. jazz kid <laughs> no so uh, there is no direct correlation uh, it's two different sort of phases of life um music was always important for me uh, you know as an observer then as a musician but i had taken a decision quite early on in life that perhaps the kind of music that i want to play is not commercially viable in the yeah. sense that uh, you know I, i'd rather not compromise what i want to do but if i can't make a living off it then i can you know keep doing it on the side and yeah. also come from a you know a, a progressive traditional family in the sense that my folks are uh, definitely very progressive but there is that pull towards you know okay stability and you know you know yeah. make sure that you are sort of is secure for the future uh so for them also it was uh, interesting because at one point through my early life they would keep telling me uh you know just do your mba make sure you're stable at the other point they still didn't encourage me when i did absolutely nothing uh you know that was recommended so it, it was very interesting you know i always had the support that i needed and i wanted i'm very fortunate for that uh, as well as grounding so you know they always told me that you know make sure that you're you're always grounded and uh, so that's what happened you know so that's why i started doing all these weird things that i did in in my uh, early years from my late school years when i started working with like you know web design companies macromedia flash one was out you know <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, you you might be too young you might be too young for that because i've only heard yeah because now yeah you know flash is now zoned out like it's you know yeah your browser you said it does not support flash anymore yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and i'm talking about when it came in and it was holy shit you know and we got these softwares and we were like creating like basic animations and synchronizing like <laughs> fruity loops is still big at that time we used to use fruity loops yeah. to sort of sequence sound for it um and yeah i remember those days man like uh, there was a company that i used to make a couple of these sort of you know soundscapes for for websites when i was in school and then after school I went straight into you know engineering which I, i you know i i a lot of people assume that you know engineering was a misstep since i do something completely different yeah. now but i think it was one of the most valuable aspects of my education simply because engineering is also about a mindset it's a way of approaching a problem it's a way of approaching um, solutions and uh, i'm i'm very happy that i did that because i i appreciate that uh, you know methodology and mm-hmm. i follow it always you know and it's always good to have an inquisitive and uh, curious mind you know even in uh, and even today like if there's a aspect of work that i don't have any knowledge about uh, i will actually take a time out and spend a couple of nights sort of researching it and then come back and you know raise questions or take decisions because i like to be uh, informed at the very least so yeah so that the transition happened uh, you know texol was something i set up when i was in uh, end of school college uh, just trying to figure out shit to do because i just loved being active and doing things and uh, uh you know from there to fnb was a uh, you know fnb was it just it it, it happened like uh, you if you've seen my older interviews you know you know yeah. that. it was a, it's a, some very dear friends uh, even now in bhutan who wanted to enter the fnb space uh, in india and i you know they asked me to partner with them and that's how i actually entered the space with no prior knowledge never having stepped into a kitchen before and yeah so, and i took it on yeah. like i take on everything in life 
so at some level having done so many things actually give you an idea as to what not to do and what to do and what your interest actually lies in is it like that or is it just that you of all the things that you did and try to implement yeah, it's, them it's the latter it's yeah it's it's the latter every experience adds to the person that you are right we are some of our experiences and uh, you know it's not like um i still don't know what to do and what not to do i make uh, you know giant mistakes in life uh, in general and i'm okay with that you know i think what what all the experiences taught me is that it's okay to make a mistake what's important is that you uh, quantify your mistake uh you know learning from your mistake is obvious that's that's one thing but before you go into something like i started being very careful when i take a risk mm-hmm. uh now with fuck almost 20 years of <laughs> almost 20 years of work behind me um wow. now when i take a risk uh i i i quantify it i say all right these are the possible outcomes and this is what i stand to lose you know worst case scenario this is what i stand to lose or win moderate scenario and this is the best case win and that way what happens is that there are no surprises you can yeah. you can uh, you can stabilize your efforts to ensure that you as an organization survive yeah. um and then it makes it easier to take decisions you know um yeah. and and that's yeah. something that, that's an that's an operationalization of uh, you know sort of uh, risk taking that uh, it, it's i think one of the most important learnings that i've had over the last uh, decade so just uh, because we're talking about risk taking and how you move forward in these 20 years so i know you've spoken about this before but in general in just a gist how would you say the three the three different piano man spaces over the years like the vasant pihar one initially which was slightly different and then the sabdarjang one which for us and an entire other generation has a very very sentimental value and now the gurgaon one what are the, in your mind what is what is the different value the three of them hold to you so again they're operationally completely different but yeah. ideologically they're the same thing right it's the same purpose behind each of the properties is the same approach to what we're trying to do in terms of creating a space for exposure creating a safe space for artists creating an environment that is conducive to the conversation of art um you know and trying to figure out or identify ways to finance the creation of art right because at right. the end of the day unfortunately like you mentioned uh, even at the beginning of our conversation uh, it's very difficult in all over the world and especially in this country to uh, create commercial value from something that's especially outside bollywood in this in this country yeah yeah so our our questions is the same you know most of the venues that have popped up in this country have been backed by investors or sponsors mm-hmm. and i think yeah. that is a very short term way of approaching a product yeah i was actually going to come to that yeah yeah you can't so count how, on investors you can't Yeah. yeah all these spaces are uh, you know the, the people who are beginning these spaces how they should approach it because there are so many that begin and just shut down so yeah how, no, but this is the reason right they shut down because of they run out of cash they run out of money to run the space and it's not and it's not been an easy ride it's still not an easy ride for us in fact 1920 was our first incredible year like we actually started making big sort of headways into paying back our debt and then welcome to 2020 <laughs> you know, it just eroded all of that in one shot but at least it showed us that 10 years of work later or 8 years of work later we reached a space where you know it took 8 years to make the company uh 
or bring the company to where we want it to be. That doesn't yeah. mean that the previous eight year, years was a, were a disaster. It was, it's a continuous and very linear climb. It's not an exponential climb, right? Yeah. And that linearity is preferred to be exponential because the linearity means that at every step we are laying down on a substrate. We are laying down an infrastructure. We are laying down systems and processes to support the organization. And uh, you know, this is this comes from a very different space than art. Yeah. And this is what has been the toughest thing for me to sort of learn, simply because I I tend to be uh, how do I put it? I tend I tend to want to focus on okay, forget everything else. Money doesn't matter. Let's let's focus on art. But what yeah. happens over there is that money does matter because you can't, uh, you know, you can't build a structure without the stability. And that comes back to where we started this point. Whenever somebody is building an organization that is trying to promote anything, and especially when it's trying to promote the arts, you've got to identify what is going to source the financing of that, right? And a lot of people end up depending on sponsorships and investments. And for me, sponsorships and investments are like the icing on the cake. Right. You know, you have to be a you have to be a viable entity before that, because if you're depending on a sponsor for an investment to run a property, whether the property is a festival, whether the property is a, a you know, a venue, whatever it is, it and becomes incredibly idea. fickle. Yeah, it exactly. becomes incredibly fickle, you know, because uh, right now nobody's willing to put in money into this industry. Yeah. Right. And these cyclical sort of problems will keep happening, you know, like the, 2008-9, the housing downturn happened. A lot of wealth was eroded from the market. You know, before that, the dot-com burst happened. A lot of wealth was eroded from the market. Now, Corona is happening. Possibly one of the largest wealth erosions in the last hundred years. You know, so things will keep happening. Well, not the last hundred years. I'm saying the World War was more significant. But yeah, you know. Um, but you get my point, right? So these sort of cyclical issues will keep happening, and that is life, right? We Human humanity will create a drama if there's no drama because we get bored very easily. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and I, you know and and what's happening today isn't uh, like I mean it's 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 not something trivial. It's not something that can be disregarded. It's affecting millions and millions of people all over the world. We're all scared, right? Fear is governing yeah. our lives right now. But it's a reality of the situation. And in these realities, uh, we often find that we lose support from the people who claim to be like you know. We're behind you. We love the arts, and, yeah. and we're seeing that. We're seeing that as well because we had we had a few partners. Um, you know, some of them putting in a significant amount of money that we would repay over. It was like, uh, you know, like low interest debt that we picked up mm -hmm. uh, based on our model. And uh, you know, they're, they're unwilling to put in the money today, and I I don't entirely blame them because I understand the fear, right? Right. So now for me the question is, am I uh, stable enough to survive and that's why so we started operations uh, with alcohol in september itself uh, just uh, mm -hmm. about a month for now but 9th of september in delhi and i think 11th in gurgaon or 13th in gurgaon 13th in gurgaon because a few more yeah. to get the licensing set up and uh, we're seeing a very again gradual and linear uptick right mm -hmm. and through all of it our focus is hey man we got to we got to ensure safety is a paramount issue not because the government said so but because we want our teams to be safe, we want our artists to be safe, and we want our guests to be safe, right? The three basic factors. And at the end of the day, when you are heading out of your house, no matter what anyone says, there is a risk factor, right? There's a risk factor, even if 
there is no corona in the world there's still a risk factor there can be an accident yeah. it can be a this it can be a that so so we're we're so a lot of our regulars you know uh, people who we see multiple times a week through the years are not stepping out and they're not coming in and i completely understand and respect that because uh, the advantage of running a sort of culturally led space is that most of your die hard patronage is people who are well read well versed who yeah. take out the time to keep themselves informed and in a situation like we have today the more informed you are the more scared you are so, that's true exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I, so, so yeah uh, no so given uh, like just talking about being scared uh, do you think uh, governmentally policy wise uh, because see uh, music and art musicians and artists un- unlike the plastic arts aside uh, they're not their work is not tangible in the sense that you cannot put a value to it right so uh, policy wise there is no sector under which they fall so uh, and there is no census that you know uh, puts out all the artists separately or uh, has any social security for them or any of those things so do you think that will help uh, in the overall building of the culture of such establishments as well as obviously help the uh, artists vis-a-vis their uh, um so this is wages. this is an incredibly important uh, conversation and this country mm-hmm. doesn't have this conversation yeah um even in india you got you know you got organizations like speak mckay you got some sort of you know csr support some something but it's also limited to a very so firstly the definition of indian music in india is historical indian music yeah and my definition of indian music is music played by indian musicians right <laughs> whatever it be right uh and secondly in the kind of economic structure that we have built over the last century um we value the wrong things we value materialism and not happiness and the minute that materialism is important over happiness art will become because art is linked to this and money is linked to this yeah right so it's it this is a sort of a uh, it's a seesaw you yeah. can either be here or you can be here you know you know and i think it requires a uh, it requires another level of evolution of sort of human capability uh, and i don't mean like telekinesis i just mean that yeah. we need to empathy. evolve past empathy man that's the key word empathy is the most important and the most absent term today right um the minute empathy becomes the most critical thing that's taught to children and they grow up to be stable well adjusted human beings who care about the people around them then the world can start changing a little bit you know um so firstly that's the issue like we we are living in a world which is based on a if you think about it slightly illogical structure you know, right, we're yeah. focusing on uh, <laughs> things which are not likely you know at the end of the day yeah you know you know it, it's i i i'd be so much happier sitting and reading a book than sort of you know uh, i don't know like driving a rolls royce i if i had a rolls royce i'd be so stressed out ki yaar dent lag jayega you know and my entire journey on the road we will be stressed will be worried about is pe dent lag jayega you know i was so sad i had a polo for 10 years but it was diesel and i was so sad when i had to give it away because 10 years diesel delhi not allowed Yeah. I mean, I'll go around for 20 20 years or so. 
So it's 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 we and for me that was like when I bought it, it was my first car that I bought, and I was just like, life is complete. Amazing, yeah. You know, I don't need anything more. So it's it's little things like that, right? And that that's also you know, uh, if the weather was great in the city, cycling would be the shit to do. It's just that our our priorities are so skewed uh, right. that that remember that article in the beginning of the lockdown from Singapore. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. The most useless professions in the world. Yeah. And right on top was artists and musicians. Yeah. Um. So it's just that, man. You turn around to the same people and say, "Hey, man, why don't you turn yourself off from the consumption of media?" Yeah. And then let's talk about um your, your the value that you put on art. Uh, even TikTok is, man. However trivial or insane some of us think that you know TikTok shots were. It was a major part. That is also it's an expression of art, man. It, yeah, yeah. it allowed people with no connect to the world to suddenly have a space to, you know, and I, I, like, I mean, it wasn't the kind of thing that I personally enjoyed mostly, like a lot of stuff was kind of irritating for me, but not for millions of people, yeah, you know, no, and more than, it. more than enjoying it. Yeah. It was, it was something that academically for me, it was such an interesting study just to see how people exactly. utilize that platform to express themselves. Yeah. So, so in fact, so, we did. No. I'm sorry. Uh, we just we actually did an article on the Indian diaspora and TikTok and how it has influenced Indian culture and what kind of people it it looks at and tries to empower also at some level. But yeah, I'll I'll read that. Please send that link to yeah, me. No, so. no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, that's the thing, right? Like we we have to sort of until we understand the significance of these. Um, Outputs until we understand the significance of art and the effect that it has on our emotional state and our physical state. Um, you know that that seesaw can't be corrected. Until the seesaw can't be corrected, uh, um, <laughs> uh, but you think the with with proper policy implementations and if those are because because you are such a seminal figure in organizing an entire culture in 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 Delhi. Uh, and almost inspiring other people across the country to be able to do similar things. If you had, if you were given the power to create a policy, what would it look like? Okay. So there are two things that I would approach. Uh, the first is at uh, a quick fix and the quick fix is, uh, you know, it would be at the policy level and the policy level. In fact, Akshara theater just started a campaign. I read it yesterday only, yeah. where they're asking for specific sort of policy, uh, amendments and I agree with pretty much everything that they put on there. I have things to add to that as well, but in a, in a, in, in a very simple way, um, the first is a artist registry, you know, yeah. some place that an artist can be recognized in, as an artist so that, you know, when you start, you know, you, you recognize businessmen, you have bin numbers for directors of companies. You have, so th there needs to be an artist identification number, you know, um, the minute that comes in, then there needs to be a structure and a system in place to help categorize artists in terms of what they do and, you know, help different uh, support systems for each of these verticals, right? So whether it is so, you know, across Europe and the US, one of the reasons why I say Western classical music is alive, because unfortunately, uh, because of the complexity of the music and, you know, because of the yeah. reputation that has garnered over the last 50 years, people think that Western classical music is, oh, it's, it's so tedious, but it's actually some incredibly music. beautiful music. Yeah. yeah. So, 
now but but the reason why it survives in many parts of the world is state support and uh, you know uh, uh, third party grant support a lot of the international bands that have come and played at piano man you know out of the 350 bands that have come over the last uh, you know couple of years a lot of them have come through uh, grants we can't afford to fly them now international yeah. flights are you kidding like mm-hmm. if i if i uh, uh, spend money on a band flying in from the us i'm done my month's budget is over yeah right? uh so so we've got to we've got to create that infrastructure and we've got to and the only way to empower third party organizations the indian government policy implementation means a long conversation and a long time but what's easy is a you know very strong csr push so the government can say that all right you know you put say i think it's 2% Uh, of of revenue is supposed to go to CSR. I don't yeah. I don't remember the exact numbers. You know, you push that up to a seven or an eight percent, and you expand the definition of activities that can be considered under CSR, and you put safeguards and watchdogs to ensure that that money isn't being sort of misused. Uh, that's a very simple way to immensely boost the industry because when you talk about large turnover, like look at look at NCPA man, what a yeah. phenomenal! It's it's literally run by Tata CSR money if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, can be, mostly, uh, yeah. Collaborated, interacted. Yeah, and just that one, uh, though it's one of the biggest organizations in this country, but just that one company is able to create one of the best infrastructures in the country and has access to bringing in world-class programming simply because that is the actual amount of money available. <laughs> you know, the Indian, uh, the the average Indian is uh, not earning a lot of money, but the one percentile is is is. Turning some serious uh, coin, and yeah. you know, if if a if a if a decent amount of the money, if a respectably small amount of that money, you know, it doesn't have to be like an obnoxiously large person. A single percent increase from two to three is a fifty percent increase, um, you know, which can significantly make an impact to what's happening in this country. And beyond that, like you know, for what Teamworks is doing, what other organizations organizations are doing, I unfortunately haven't had the time to go through the details of. Some yeah. of these artist grants, but I'd actually be very curious to know what their methodology of dispersing these grants is, because right, I yeah. haven't seen much data out on that. And that's what happened. You know, Zomato started this support the restaurant thing, and they collected money. Yeah. And my question was the same. I said, "What is your methodology? Who takes the decision, and how are you?" Because if you're collecting money as a non-profit in that mm-hmm. situation, you got to be crystal clear about how you're dispersing the money. You got to make sure that the artists who need it get, and. and these are very complex conversations how do you identify an artist who needs it you know i mean i i i interact with hundreds of artists at any point of time i know so many artists who need it yeah. um, my suggestion to organizations like this is encourage artists to set up micro patronage accounts like patreon and put in support in those accounts you know that's that's one way to do it um yeah. but yes so that the first problem for the first task the short fix is is uh, is a compliance fix you know then create a separate uh, category for the people who are promoting arts organization for example we fall under a fnb space right but ideologically and through action our priority yeah. lies with the execution of art, art. Yeah. yeah 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 but there is no recognition of that as a category in the in you know in the options available yeah. to us yeah because if we if we take a license as a theater then we can't sell fnb which is what yeah. gives us our revenue and if we take a license as fnb then there is we are categorized into a group of products which we aren't 
right? Mm. F&B is very important to us. We've got a phenomenal team behind it because quality is important to us. Of course, but that yeah. doesn't mean that, you know, that's the only thing that we do. Um, and similarly, you know, when we talk, to, talk about these aggregators, by aggregators, I mean the Zomatos and Swiggies and Dineouts and the lot, um, they are structured for a specific product, which is an F&B product. So when we jump into the, I, I'm always, I have a lot of friction with all of these organizations because they don't recognize me as a product that I am. They want yeah. to categorize me as a product that they understand. And yeah. it's not their fault at the end of the day, right? But, but it's all led by uh, government classification because that's what people will follow. So anyway, that's a, sh a long answer to a, the first part of that question. Yeah. The second part of the question stems down to what you mentioned earlier, empathy. You know, the only way that we can actually start fixing the problem at a, at a very, very organic level is for people to be brought up with the right kind of education. You know, something that's based in fact and science and empathy. Right? Yeah. So that's a much bigger biscuit to bite. <laughs> but until we have a global education reform, until we have global education reform, this world will not improve. It won't. And the, the sad part is the minute that, you know, that happens and we have a, we have generation after generation that's focused on reality and not nonsense, how fast humanity will sort of rise. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. So uh, to move on to some of the more happier aspects of the art world and music. Um, so uh, you mentioned you had over uh, now 300 artists come, come and perform. So, what have your like? I'm very, very curious myself as a huge fan. No, no, 300 international artists. International artists, yeah, international artists. Yeah. Uh, what, what? Uh, and many more Indian artists. Of course, yeah. So, what has your interaction been with some of these legends that you've had, like you know, Chick Corea, Jojo Mayer? Uh, I, I mean, all of these people, like they're just like gods, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm sure, like those interactions. I, Man, mean, I, I will. You know, so the beautiful thing is. Yeah. They're the best of humanity. About, but yeah. Yeah. No, no, so I'll, I'll tell you, they're anything but gods. And that's the beautiful thing, right? They, sh they literally show you how human and how kind they are. Like, let me, let me give you the Chick Corea example. What's yeah. Chick's age? Uh, late 70s, if I'm not mistaken, right now? Yeah, around, yeah. Must be about 78, 79, 76. Yeah, 78. around that. So he came yeah. in two years ago, 2018. So still late, second half of the 70s. Yeah. The entire conversation with Chick uh, was really interesting. So basically he was supposed to play Sirifort and some stuff happened and that show got yeah. canned. I, I requested, you know, because I was a part of that conversation, uh, simply helping out in, uh, you know, spreading the word. Um, OML was uh, leading the charge on this, uh, Insider, sorry. And, uh, you know, uh, so I asked, I said, will Chick play a small club? And the reply was, uh, let us find out. And then the immediate reply was no. So I, I you know, what a little mail, the management, uh, you know, Chick's management and all, we were all looped in a mail. And I put a mail yeah. out saying that, you know, uh, it, 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 it's a crime for him to come to Delhi and sit in a hotel room and leave, right? You know? Yeah. And Chick, I, from what I observed, you know, when he's touring, when he's traveling to different countries, he actually sits and works the whole day. Like he's in his room, he's got like instruments there, and he's sort of uh, practicing, working, creating. And you can see, or even now through the lockdown, he's been very active with online education. Um, so 
you know, mail went out. There was a reply, uh, call me and his phone number. And, uh, you know, when this entire thing happened, I was actually in Israel. Uh, the Israeli embassy had taken a couple of us to, uh, you know, on an arts and uh, sort of uh, culture junket to Israel, which was another okay. phenomenal experience. And I sent out this mail when I was there and I came back. I was there for about five days. And on my last day, I think I sent this out. I came back to Delhi and I'm sleeping and I get up at eight in the morning, which is about an hour earlier than I usually get up. And I have a mail in my inbox from Chit Korea, which has his phone number. And I'm like, holy shit. So I, I literally, I just sat up and I called him. You know, it, and I, I'm very used to the fortunately in my, in my years of working, you know, that, that, uh, uh, through my engineering years and before I got to the FMB business, I was also doing a lot of international trading of different, like, you know, sending generators to some countries, sending pants to some kind of weird <laughs> stuff I've done. And, um, and I got used to get, being able to just get up at like four in the morning because I get a call and just be good evening, you know, without any uh, sleepy lag. So I just called him up and I'm like, uh, hi, sir, this is Arjun Gupta from the Piano Man. I got your mail. And we proceeded to have like a 45 minute long conversation in which we disagreed about a lot of things, man. We disagreed about the relationship between an artist and an audience. Because I said that, you know, in this country, like it becomes a venue's responsibility to sort of create the right kind of space. And she yeah. came more from the perspective of the artist has to connect with the audience. And so, but it was a great conversation. We talked, spoke about a bunch of things. And when it ended, I put the phone down, I was like, boss, ye to but like just a couple of couple of minutes later, he shot out a mail to everyone saying, you know, let's do it. And that's when we sort of sprung into action. And for us at the venue, it was really interesting because uh, you've obviously heard the stories about how we had to get the piano in and all that. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Yeah. But the thing that I wanted to uh, tell you about this is when he actually came to the venue. So I had I had said something very simple. I said, listen, the stage is yours. We'll take care of all the organization that's required. You want to play one song, you play one song. You want to play, an hour. so that's our policy with all artists. If you're uncomfortable on stage, get off the stage. Yeah. Right. Don't worry. It's, it's not going to affect your relationship with the venue. At the end of the day, you have to feel that you want to be on stage. And that's why we put in so much effort into taking care of the artists from the minute they walk into the club. Same thing with Chick, Chick you know, like, you know, he came and there was a full menu plan that came because he's very particular about his diet. He doesn't eat spices. He doesn't eat like salt. He doesn't eat sugar. So I also, so we prepared everything that he had sent and we also prepared a bunch of stuff that we wanted him to try following his sort of dietary restriction. We're like, sir, you've come all the way here. We don't want you to eat stuff that you eat every day. We want you yeah. to try something, you know? And uh, he was, he was a good human being, man. He spoke kindly, you know, no airs, no ego, um, eye to eye contact. Uh, he performed almost a little over two hours. By two hours, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. and then after he finished his performance, he met every single person, you know, in the, so we, he was sitting in the green room and just, because I didn't want there to be like a stampede. So we took people in for five, six people at a time and, uh, everyone, man, like, yeah, so this, is, this, is, that... this is the story. So I was, I live close to Safdarjang only. Uh, I'm not telling where, because uh, once we publish this, I don't want people coming around, you know, the house, but, uh, and I, my, I studied in Ashoka University, so it's in Sonipat. So yeah. I used to take the horse cars metro directly to Jahangirpuri. And then we used to have a shuttle there. And that shuttle would take us to campus. So it was about yeah. 7.30 in the evening or something. And I take this metro and I'm on my way. 
and I've reached Delhi University. I've reached Vishwavidyalaya Station, and Sayan has texted me saying that uh, Sayan Sinha uh, has texted me I that. Bhai, piano man So, I mean, I have this kind of relationship with him where we like I trust him quite a lot. So at that moment when the uh, the doors of the from Vishwavidyalaya. No, so I just got out, okay? I just got out and I called him and I said, what's going So he said, Chick Korea is uh, performing at Piano Man. So I said, no way he's performing at Piano Man right now. Like, I would have known. I follow their, I, I look at their... No, we didn't, we didn't publish the gig. Yeah. Exactly. So he's like, no, 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 he's performing. Aja. So I was like, aise kaise aja So he's like, he sent me your number and he said, uh, ask him. So I said, the gig is in like half an hour. He'll be sitting with Chick Corea. What will I ask him? Like, he's not, he's not going to reply to some WhatsApp from an unknown number right now. So uh, at that point, I have written to you saying that Sian has told me this is happening. I'm a huge jazz fan. Is that in the other? Can I come? And I waited on the platform for 15 minutes and I got really sad. I was like, this is not going to happen. Like, like you said with him, <laughs> that this is not going to happen. I texted Sian saying this is not going to happen. It doesn't make sense for me to come back from Vishwajjale and then find out I can't enter the space. <laughs> so then I got back into the metro and I reached Jangipuri. And underground there is no signal in underground, but when I read Jahangir Puri, I get a text reply from you saying, Aja, that's it. You just wrote one word saying, come. <laughs> and I, I had my suitcase and everything with me. I told my friends there at the, uh, at the shuttle service, I told them, you take it to campus with you, I'm going back. So I took a cab, I rushed back, I missed the first song. <laughs> but I was there through the gig after that Amazing. and I got to meet yeah. him afterwards. No, but it was just amazing to me. It, and, and that day was just like, you know, after I met him, I mean, I was always a jazz fan, but after I met him and I spoke to him and that night, I think I, I, I think I'm sure I cried that night when he was playing. Like it was just, it was like the level of silence in, in the whole place and just yeah. the aura that he created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like slightly. So that's crazy. why, you know, there's a reason why we didn't advertise that show because A, we didn't want to stampede. And B, we sent out a message to, uh, so basically what happened, the people who had booked tickets to watch him in Sirifur, so insider took all the seating in the club. And we said, you know, that was our, that was our sort of trade with them. And they sent out a message, first come, first serve seating for the people who bought tickets. Yeah. And they refunded the tickets. It was a free show for everyone. And, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Calling me about, because we are finishing off the programming for October. I call him back. So, you know, um, so I requested inside, I said, seating is all yours. Standing space up for musicians only. Because you can't have chip playing and no musicians in the house. Yeah. Right. So then I put out a message to a couple of, uh, you know, the musicians that I'm in you know, regular contact with just saying that chick is playing turn up, which is why a few people knew that it's happening. Yeah. But we didn't, we didn't advertise or publicize it because otherwise there would have been a stampede man. Right? just texted me because he knows how how deeply i'm into this whole like world he's like this guy can't Amazing. miss this he'll kill me if he finds out yeah. <laughs> so every time such a thing happens i just have to be there and i i, oh, I mean, that's and amazing. Thank all you. thanks to you but uh yeah no so i had i actually made an interesting observation and i it, it actually made me respect you a lot initially as a person which is that first time when I came, you do this thing when you make an announcement where you tell the audience that when the artist is performing, it's best we be a little bit respectful to the music and not, you know, cause a ruckus and try to appreciate the music in the way it is, which is such an important message, I feel. And 
again that goes back to the empathy uh, discussion we were having but but what are some of the some of the basic things that you feel like like yeah this should, someone should not have to tell someone you know that this, this is something basic that you expect from your audience i mean obviously so let let me correct you there okay let's not make an assumption that we don't need to tell people let's not grudge people their environment and their conditioning right yeah so and i always say this i i, I never feel i i don't feel bad if people are not used to focusing on a musician performing in a certain way i feel bad that their environment has conditioned them in that manner so that's why whenever i do this i never do it from a space of um anger or disrespect or no, no, no. frustration yeah. that's why i can do it night after night for 5 years and going you know yeah. it's it's just a it's an earnest sincere request that give it a chance you know just yeah. give it a chance to observe something from somebody else's perspective in this case the musician the artist's perspective and take a subjective decision on whether that made a difference or an impact to you if it didn't then it's fine like it doesn't matter if that's not how you want to consume music who am i to tell you these are our subjective decisions but at least give it a chance first and because, then make the subjective decision i mean i give me a lot of happiness personally because i just feel jazz is a kind of music in itself and i'm trained in hindustani classical but i love jazz in itself but so in both of these kinds of music i feel and we've had this discussion before also is that i feel there is some level of patience which is also required from the audience to be able to understand it and grasp it and the moment you do it's just some other level of connect but but that initial patience is required i feel so when you say that i feel that really people end up by the end of the night everyone is singing and dancing usually almost every time i have been there because because i feel it those kinds of music lend themselves to that personal level of emotional connect if it is engaged with properly you know so that that is what uh, i mean drove me towards that line that you say usually before the show so that's why talking, that's why, that's why the silent song also started right it was to create yeah. a moment a small moment of pure understanding I'll, you know okay for a few minutes for five minutes there's nothing else in the world except what's coming off the stage you know and it really that's something that's really helped us sort of shape um the culture of the space you know it it kind of became like people would come right now we're not doing the silent song for the small audiences in any way silent so i don't want to sort of disrespect them by saying hey shut up you know when they're already listening it makes no sense um but you know the entire purpose of the silent song a lot of people ask me like some of our regulars who are coming say why aren't you doing the silent song i said yeah you sat through the whole first set how how much noise did you hear in the audience ah uh, yeah. you're right nobody so the people who are coming today are also starved for and that's the beautiful thing you know people who would not normally sit quietly and listen to music are starved for the art so yeah, today they coming true. and like if we have 15 people in the club this pin drop silence and those 15 people are listening it's amazing um you know and it's sad that it took us uh, corona to get there but uh, it's it's also i'm happy that you know people are at least the people who are coming also I, I, you know it's it's also a disproportionate uh, equivalence because the people who are coming to us are specifically coming for the art so yeah. you know they will be yeah. but also yeah. talking about no, uh, but at the same that... time yeah no no please go ahead no at the same time a lot of our customers nowadays or a lot of the patrons that are coming in i always use those two words uh, dif- differently yeah. there are different meanings behind them uh for me a patron is somebody who converts from a customer to somebody who respects and understands our ideology and supports it not only financially but emotionally or whatever you know 
uh, something that they resonate with. Um, a lot of the people that are coming in today are new uh, discoveries, you know, yeah. because uh, a lot of, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of our uh, usual customer base is still sort of in home and not moving out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great. Like, it's interesting because people are responding to it quite beautifully and, uh, you know, our environment and our space. And that's important. That's what matters. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that you'd rather, you know, read a book than own, own a Rolls Royce, but uh, it is well known that you have the Rolls Royce of uh, uh, Grand Piano Collection. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, um, no, so, I tell you where that started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I tell I you where that know. started. Yeah. So the first piano I ever got, uh, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my entire keyboard journey. I've never sort of related yeah. the entire thing. Uh, or growing up, Casio. as as wide as my face is now Uh, and you know and I literally radio pe koi Hindi tune bajra hai main baja raha hoon you know literally that kind of shit you know like just playing little little melodic line Uh, then my grandmother got me Yamaha I think QSR series back in the day you know those 15-20,000 rupees 61 key keyboards that's what I started learning on uh, uh, from a gentleman named Muhammad Arshad. Um, you know, so John Thompson's and whatever else, the basic sort of piano for adults sort of thing. Though I was 15, 14, 15, 16, so 14, 15 at that time. Then uh, there were some German expats who were leaving India and they were selling a Korg Concert 7100. Uh, it's a full-size digital piano, weighted keys. And I think they were selling it for the princely sum of 20,000 rupees or something. Uh, they sold us the stool for 10,000 rupees because it was a beautiful, like, I still have that stool. Uh, but the, the keyboard was 20 grand. And my dad was like, yeah, this stool is very beautiful. And my father, my father is actually the reason I have a love for art. He, he is, uh, he never had the opportunity to be an artist because he's, had, you know, worked with on the family, whatever else. But he has an artistic soul like no other. And his ear is better than mine. Like he hears, he hears things even I can't hear. Um, so uh, so he, and he's been the guy who like, you know, if he had 10 rupees, he would be willing to spend 9 rupees on getting me an instrument. You know, because we also like, we, we were standard like middle class family growing up, you know, never had uh, want for anything because my, like I said, my folks are incredible. Uh, but, you know, also never having the money to go and buy like a fazioli, uh, concert yeah. brand like, you know, after all. Um, so yeah, so we got that concert 7100, which I learned on for many years. It has a very stiff action. Uh, so I developed a technique of banging the keys literally, which I still, you know, when I'm playing subconsciously, I go back into it. I'm just used to playing hard because of that keyboard because I played on it for 10 years. In fact, that keyboard then went to a lot of other people. It's gone through seven, eight times. So that's the key, that's the digital piano I give to anyone who wants to start their children on learning music. Oh. Just take it, keep it till you want to upgrade to a better instrument and then give it to the next person. Uh, so it's gone through like seven, eight hands. And right now, just a few days ago, it went to another friend of mine who moved from Bombay to Delhi. She sent me a text, where can I rent a piano from? My son needs something to practice on. I said, take it. You know, this, whenever you, when you feel that you're willing to invest in a high quality instrument, do that. In the meantime, this is yours. Uh, then, um, then for performances, I bought an M Audio Pro Keys 88. Uh, mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, that was, uh, that came in through Singapore at the end quite cheap. Um, but it was 
It's a nice instrument, very light action. Uh, and I use my, I had a laptop with, uh, you know, some nice piano banks running on it. So I used it as a midi picker for that. Oh man, then I got my first upright piano. This was another second-hand purchase from a family in New Friends Colony. And it had a cracked soundboard. So we got that repaired. And I again got for about, I think, 40K. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, uh, lovely piano. That's the one that uh, is right now in Dirty Apron. Um, oh. And I remember... So, uh, and just about a year later, my piano teacher told me, Mr. John Raphael, who I adore and I love, unfortunately passed away a few years ago. I was with him for 18 years. He is my mentor. He is my, like, he is my role model of a human being. And, uh, you know, uh, he, one day I go to class and he told me, oh, you know, German embassy is selling a Spanish grand piano. And I, you know, and I called up my father, who uh, who was he? He's a HOD of exports with Maruti, and uh, he his office was in KG Mall, Suva Gandhi Mall. Uh, later shifted to Vasant Punch, but uh, and right next to his office was the Maxwell Bhavan, which is actually the organization yeah, selling. Yeah. So can you actually so just, I, just I said, Dad, what, what yeah, no, it was. I think the connection got just like cut for that just that one yeah. second, but yeah. Stein, Steinway Model C, uh, oh, Hamburg built, yeah. uh, 1967. Concert oh, wow. grand, 7.5 foot. Yeah, I Amazing. mean, retails for like a couple of hundred thousand euros. So just an insane, insane uh, machine, uh, you know, uh, instrument. So uh, yeah. so my father popped across in his lunch break to, to uh, the Maxilla Bhavan. And at that time, the director of the Bhavan was uh, Dr. Stefan Dreyer. Yeah. So they Amazing. had a conversation. And Dr. Dreher gave him the reserve price of the piano, which was just like significantly cheaper than uh, uh, entry-level car. <laughs> Let me put it that way. It was very cheap, man. Like honestly, uh, like uh, one or two percent of the actual value of that piano. So, but because it was completely like like it was destroyed. And, yeah. Uh, the Steinway's Steinway's quotation to restore it was insane because you know flying it back to the factory repairing it, shipping it back. Yeah. So we found out where it was stored from, from the bhavan. It was in, uh, in a warehouse in Punjabi Bhav. So dad and I made a full plan out of it because KFC had also just opened in Punjabi Bhav recently. You know, the first KFC. So we, all, we went into our car. We went to the warehouse, saw the piano. The, out, the external, the exterior of the piano was in great condition. Action didn't work. Like it was messed up. I'm 21 years old. Dad turned to me and said, Kya karna? You know, and this is why, you know, I'm immensely grateful for the faith that my folks have in me. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm glad it does. I said, let's get it. I'll fix it. Like, I've never opened a piano before this in my life. I said, I'll Amazing. Fix it. Okay. He didn't ask me again. He didn't ask me again. You know, and that time, even a couple of lakhs was a lot of money, right? You know, it's, it's not. Of course, yeah. So he, he quickly organized the money, he bought the piano. Also on the way back from the warehouse, he bought a couple of buckets of KFC for my mother <laughs> and my father, because my mom and my grandma are vegetarian. And uh, that really pissed off my father eventually because it started stinking in the car. <laughs> so we had to move the food to the, to the dicky, you know. Anyway, so we, we get back, um, fix up the piano. We were too scared to tell my mom that we bought a grand piano. Um, so, you know, because then she would say, okay, 
I, out of the three of you, two, only two can stay in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I completely understand that. <laughs> so, so you know, one of my father's friends had just built his office. In fact, very close to the piano man in Sabrajan on Africa Avenue. Uh, so we requested him, and he had an empty room. So we moved the piano there. And when I started going there, uh, my piano teacher gave me a book on how to restore pianos. I went through it. And that's actually one of the reasons why I've been able to do a lot of weird things in life is because I can digest technical data very quickly. Went through the book, I opened up the piano, figured out what the problem was, wrote a mail to the Steinway factory, and like this long ass, like, you know, if you printed it out, it would be like five or six pages. I'm like, you know, it's, I'm 21 years old, it's my dream to own a Steinway piano. And it really was. I had made a bucket list when I was 16, 17 uh, years old. And the top two items on my bucket list were a Steinway piano and a Bosendorfer piano, and I have both now. Um, so, you know, yeah. And after that, I abandoned the bucket list and I changed it from bucket list of materials to a bucket list of skills. So I love learning things, right? So now it is, I've got my tap shoes lying here for the last 10 years. I have to learn tap dancing at some point, you know, just a, a whole bunch of things. Um, so, you know, I opened up the piano, figured out, uh, what I thought was the problem. I wrote this long ass email and, uh, you know, one of the head technicians at the Steinway factory in Hamburg, uh, Hartwig Karl, after a week or two, he just replied with like a very, how can I help? Like, simple. And I was just like, holy shit. So I told him <laughs> what the issue was and what I felt the problem was. Um, you know, and the jacks and the, ham the hammers were, so first the problem was the, the, the jacks were completely gone. They were almost dissolved. The wood was ruined and the strings were rusted and ineffective. And Hart Mr. Karl took my um, address. He said, what's your address? And then I heard nothing from him for two weeks. And I'm sending a reminder, sir, what, what can I do? Please guide me. And suddenly a package of a sample jack arrives at home free of cost. Like he ships it all the way from the US. Um, you know, so not US, from Germany, from Hamburg. And I put in the jack and I said, well, sir, the, the key repetition seems to be working, but the hammer is now misaligned. Um, you know, there's a roller on the hammer, which the jack sort of pushes up. And, Somebody had actually put the wrong hammers and the wrong jacks on the piano while trying to restore it in the past. Uh, again, no reply for two weeks. Again, a hammer just arrived, like a jack, uh, yeah, a hammer arrives. Yeah. And I put it, I screw it back in and connect it. And I'm like, oh, but now the key actually works like it's supposed to. And so we went back and forth like this and he kept shipping me sample parts. The first hammer he sent me was actually still incorrect. And the second hammer, because that production model had two different sizes of uh, actions. Yeah. It was super interesting for me because also in that process, I sort of, really had to learn the mechanics of the piano. And I'll tell you where that came in use recently. But anyway, this, this happened, uh, you know, eventually, uh, and then he gave me like a massive discount on buying a full set of jacks and voiced hammers. Um, and, and, you know, so we got those in, we sort of installed them on the piano and then we had to regulate it for which Ajay had to, Ajay Mistri came from Bombay, that's when I met yeah. him. But, you know, there are some things that, uh, you know, you need hard piece of life. Just reading from a book, can't, uh, yeah, of can't course. It. But it was just, it was a, just a gorgeous experience that lasted a little over a year. The process of restoring the piano. And I still remember when the piano had to be shifted home, uh, two, three things had to be done. The upright that was already at home, that the one that I told you about, the Automeister, the Chinese uh, upright with a German sounding name, but lovely sound. That <laughs> yeah. had to be moved out of the house. Um, for no reason, because, you know, an upright is in no comparison to the size of the grand piano. But yeah. that just had to be done, right? Oh. And then, so, and I told Bomb, yeah, no, this piano is going somewhere and I'm just replacing it with a, another piano. Like she had no idea something, 10 times the volume is coming in. Uh, 
so you know the grand piano comes in one leg at a time and my father very nicely buggered off to a tour in i think he was in dubai or something you know for some work with maruti he's like arjun when i leave then you get the piano <laughs> your mom's going to kill me so you know coming in one leg of the piano second leg of the piano mom's like ye ho kya raha hai and we've cleared this massive area in the living room like half the living room you know and she's like what's going on and i was like oh, don't worry just see just wait and so when she was a huge surprise but That's like two, three days she, later when she heard it <laughs> when she heard it she was okay with it you know that upright piano had a very interesting experience a friend of mine wanted to uh, uh, sort of borrow it and he lived on top in khan market i think hmm. that flat of his now is turned into some restaurant so we got there with the piano took it off the truck and put it in those that inner circle of khan market to go up and we carried yeah. it up the stairs and we realized there's no possible way to because those tiny <laughs> stairs you know and 90 yeah. degree turns so eventually you had to bring it back and keep it in the middle of khan market So I literally sat there for an hour waiting for the truck to come back, and I paid. Amazing! <laughs> Randomly in the middle of hard work, <laughs> you know. This, uh, yeah, it was, uh, quite a fun uh, memory. Anyway, so that's that's the story behind the Steinway, um, and I got it uh, kind of back in order just before Herbie Hancock visited India the first time mm-hmm. in two thousand seven. Yeah. And I got a call from the American embassy saying that you know you, we've heard from the Maxwell Bhavan that you've taken this piano. And uh, <laughs> is it is it playable? I said, yeah, yeah. I finished restoring it, you know. And so they actually hired it for Herbie, and I got to hang out with Herbie and uh, Wayne Shorter, which is just like damn. And uh, after I got in touch with the team at uh, the American Embassy, they were really kind to me. They told me about the scholarship uh, that was coming up, and they asked me to apply for it. I did, and I got it. um so i went for this uh, you know uh, program called new facts uh, yeah. northeastern university fusion arts exchange and it was kind of an eye opening program because you know i suddenly realized how insignificant i am in the world of music you know when you start actually meeting people who know their shit and yeah. uh, i also understood you know where where your sort of vision should be and it shouldn't be about getting here or getting here it should just be about growing and learning and yeah. uh, you know it just it changed my mindset quite significantly it was a beautiful experience so coming back to the pianos i'm sorry it's a long i told i warned you this is going no, to no, be no 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 i no no i'm happy yeah. <laughs> please then uh, when i opened my uh, cafe in basant vihar uh, there was another friend of my father's who had just come back from london and uh, he had a yamaha upright which we ha- rented from him on and he gave it a, he, again like friend of my father's gave us a very sweet sort of the thing that whenever you want to buy it you can just deduct for Rental amount and buy it, and the purchase price was also quite cheap. So in about a couple of months, then we ended up purchasing it because we realized that it required a lot of work to be done. And I said, if I'm going to open that up and do the work, then I'd rather just own the piano. Yeah. Um, and then Ajay had come to Delhi, so he helped me. He taught me some more things about you know working on the action. And I've learned a lot from Ajay Mistry over the years, uh, shaping hammers, voicing hammers, um, you know, working on the. And the critical thing is that there are two parts of the piano if you. look at it uh, very uh, uh, bluntly there's mm-hmm. the the there's the solid construction you know the things that yeah. are the the you know the 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 frame the body the you know the the uh, you know the pin block the soundboard yeah. um, these are major things if something goes wrong here you have to take apart the piano everything yeah then there's then there's the action you know just the mechanics of it you know that control the the you know the hammer which is the eventual thing that has to hit the string right it's a percussive yeah. string instrument in some ways yeah and and that 
part of it is something uh, the work is much more nuanced and much more complicated often uh, but it's something that you know you can just dismantle and remove and do it yourself and in that action there are hundreds and hundreds of little little things you know like a complicated uh, machine that have to be sort of understood and um, every every time i meet ajay i learn a little more and the story about you know the opening of piano coming in the middle of a concert there was a, a polish band i think playing in our gulgaon club in winter last mm-hmm. year and they hit a power octave on e you know so on you know so the e1 yeah. so e2 e3 and i think the e3 which is a fairly significant key for the keyboard broke internally so in the middle of the show i had to take apart the piano we oh, had man. construction going on on our terrace we got wood glue from the carpenters and actually found a little part of the repetition which had broken repaired it let it set for 15 minutes and the concert went on normal so you know it's in, you, it's really cool how let's just say that you know that engineering yeah. went of mind efficient course, solutions yeah. it really helps man so no, no no panic nothing we took a 15 minute break fixed it and went on anyway so the yamaha piano we picked up um, again all my pianos are second hand i don't have a single new piano uh then a couple of years later around the around the same two three months in that time frame first the delhi school of music was getting rid of all the pianos that were not sorry okay yeah no 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 they were in a bad state and uh, i've i've been going there for like 18 years and at that time there was a french director uh, philip engel and uh, i one day i go to the school and you know they had these two they had a grotin steinweg and a uh bex no bosendorfer in the main concert hall and i go there and the grotin was missing and i'm like where is the grotin like i've seen those pianos my you know entire sort of adolescence and early adulthood and i love those pianos and they were in a terrible condition terrible condition but i love those pianos and apparently somebody bought the grotin and i went to uh, philip and Philip and I had become like friends, bonding over uh, the frustration of Indian bureaucracy and um, <laughs> the genuine love for music. He's a wonderful guy, a phenomenal pianist. One of the most, you know, this is the he doesn't perform, but uh, that guy would be one of the most incredible classical pianists in the country today. So we sat down, and uh, he's like, you know, the board has taken a decision to liquidate these pianos, and these pianos included like three baby uh, three. small concert grands and the bosendorfer which was an imperial brand which is just like oh my god you know something that i could never even imagine <laughs> possessing and then he told me the reserve price for all the pianos i said um hold my pen <laughs> i ran home i picked up my checkbook and i ran back and i bought all of them on the spot oh wow <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I can't even tell you how much I got them for because it's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's just, I mean, steel is not the word for it. But yeah, all of them <laughs> required massive amounts of lakhs and lakhs of work to restore each of them, uh, and years and years of work. So the Beckstein, which is now in the Gurgaon venue, which is one of the pianos I bought, took a little over two years to restore, and several lakhs uh, over the span of two years. So it's not like I mean, a lot of work has to go into it. but no. at the same time like if you're willing to put the if you're willing to put in the time and the work you save much more money <laughs> yeah no, so, so, so the best time is in gurgaon 
it's just so lovely to see that all of these pianos who have been part of like say Delhi School of Music and so many pianists yeah. across so the city have learned yeah. on and they are now culturally making it you know making the music go further through the same instrument in these spaces is just amazing like it's like a full cycle at some level in the life of the yeah yeah and you're you're absolutely right the Bechstein had to undergo a full refurb it was in a really bad condition the next piano that we we were working on I, I don't know what the condition I, I haven't spoken to Ajay for like six months uh, you know but uh, there's a the Lester uh, grind that's another six and a half that's the piano that I learned on when I was at Delhi School of Music because I was in the principal's office my teacher's office Johnny Sir's office so I'm really excited to see that one get ready and then we'll start working there was an Austrian grand which had a completely different style of action and that company's been out of uh, uh, existence for like almost 80 90 years oh, so wow. that we couldn't restore we couldn't figure out how to restore that so I'm converting that into an art piece and so the and the last and then the Bosendorfer the Imperial Bosendorfer or Kongyuan that'll take a couple of years it'll cost a lot of money so I've asked him to hold the work on that because I can't afford it mm -hmm. right now but hopefully we'll start working on that soon and that piano um, I don't know where to put it yet but that piano oh my god Imperial Bosendorfer and then during this entire during this time when I bought these pianos which has now been like five six years um, there was a I got a call from this uh, Russian guy um, you know hey I got your number and uh, I've uh, I've been told that you like to buy instruments and I have a, a, a you know a, oh my god I, I got I just gone blank um, yeah. the instrument that predates a piano yeah shit what's wrong with my brain harpsichord I've got a harpsichord for sale harpsichord. yeah of course <laughs> yeah I don't know how, why that happened. Yeah, I, I'm also <laughs> getting messages from my team constantly. So yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I was like, oh, where, where is it? He said Vasanthpunj, and I'm like five minutes, ten minutes away from there. So I said, I'm gonna see you in ten minutes. And I just hopped across, and I saw it, and beautiful thing. Again, the action was completely destroyed. Um, needed uh, a lot of work. Needed a lot of work. Um, but I sort of went over and I quickly, while talking to him, I Googled it and I saw the actual value of that is, is quite a bit, a uh, couple of thousand euros. So I was like, Ye bas ke hai. like I can't afford this, like six, seven thousand euro thing. And I just said, you know, hey man, how much would you want for it? Um, so he said, listen, I, I'm happy with the price that I paid for it a couple of years ago and I got it for 27,000 and I thought, shit, 27,000 euros. And he's like, 27,000 rupees. And I was like, Cash or check? <laughs> so, That's amazing. So I think, yeah, yeah. So I just 15 minutes, I, I, you know, I called up, uh, you know, some guys. I got a Vikram organized, uh, you know, those three-wheeler yeah. Vikrams, three, four guys. Uh, paid him the money, picked up the instrument. 15 minutes, I was out of his house. I said, I don't want him to change his mind. You know, he's a really lovely guy, but this is a great deal. Um, and uh, 20 minutes, like 45 minutes to an hour after I left my house, I was home with the half. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should write so, an investment book on pianos and restoration and negotiation. Oh, man. <laughs> There's no, I have never negotiated for any of these instruments. 
because the 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 values that were offered i felt were fair yeah. uh, i didn't think they were ridiculously cheap also honestly because the amount of time and work that goes into restoring them is not after yeah so it's yeah. years of work uh, per instrument so i i it's i think it's a, it's a fair deal uh, for somebody especially for somebody who understands that you know it's better to convert these instruments back into a usable space than turn them into junk there are a lot of people i've seen with really destroyed instruments who want like fair market full market value dekho ji google says this is worth 5 lakh rupees please give me 5 lakhs for it and the thing is really like falling apart so that yeah. that makes those instruments don't go anywhere but there are a lot of people who understand that that's not how things work like if you haven't taken care of the instrument somebody else has to and that is time and effort and money so i've been lucky that people have contacted me over over time in fact yesterday again i got a message uh, there's a piano for sale so i'm going to quickly i know a bunch of my friends and people i know keep calling me asking about second hand pianos so i'll quickly have a look at it and recommend it to somebody there are two upright pianos by the way no one grand and one upright that uh, have come to me this week uh, so just you want to have a look at them and for me like i since i don't have the liquidity to buy anything right now i'm happy to connect people you know and i i because i care about these instruments i'll just make sure they're in the right condition or i'll tell them what needs to be done and then i connect the people and say go ahead and like this is what it's worth take it so uh, and this not... this instrument this is a organ uh, yeah. that yeah it's it's pretty cool it's got like a little uh, uh, you know volume pedal and uh, This was a gift from uh, a very very dear friend of mine Karan Gosla. Uh you know they, so he they bought this from Japan I oh, think wow. and it was 110 and they popped it my plug it into a 220. So they actually never used it because it popped oh. the minute they got it. And it was lying for years with them and then I I told Karan you know this is I I saw it in his house and I'm like let me repair it for you like let yeah. me fix it and put it back in your house because I I can't see it in this condition and he turned around and he he turned around and he said you know what fix it and keep it and I was just like you know we we actually argued about that for a while because I it's 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 too big of a thing to accept from someone yeah. even somebody who's as dear to me as Karan but he just like I said let me okay let me buy it off you he said nothing and he just like you know so and he he told me he's going to send me a plaque with his name on it to put on this he hasn't sent it yet <laughs> <laughs> but it's still not repaired because most of the parts are not available this is from okay. the 60s if i'm not mistaken i've been trying to date it properly so most of the parts are not available i just managed to get this basic sound out so i'm still trying to repair it i've That's tried to contact it's yamaha electron i've tried to contact yamaha they're not available <laughs> no Sorry. okay long word is sorry Yeah, I'm not going to keep you for too long because I can see you're getting a lot of uh, work messages also. But just a, a couple of last questions. One, I have this curiosity. This is the uh, your general love for food because I think it's already been brought up a couple of times today. But in general, also, I gen I love I love the food that you guys have, and um, it it really builds my curiosity as to how you have like a Korean bulgogi pizza as well as like Mexican. Like, wh- where is that inspiration coming from? How did you curate that to start with? Also, you spoke about the KFC bucket, and yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Akus burgers, man. Last night, oh my god, and uh, I I can't believe I'm saying this on an interview, but last night, uh, 
so my my girlfriend my cousin and i started this thing uh, earlier this year uh, mm-hmm. uh, that once every 10 15 days we would have a akkus dinner you know akkus burgers yeah like, come on beautiful <laughs> so so last night you know we haven't done this for seven months so my this entire week my cousins been texting me akkus 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 and i can't get out of work because you know just trying to get things back in action <laughs> last night i was at jamun and gugam we ordered from akkus sneak out the side picked it up plated it and sat and ate it outside you know in the in the patio we sat and ate akkus but yeah no so food is food is food man like um uh, i i i'm i'm rather uh, my largest will sort of prove my love for eating and i eat everything i love um, i love junk food i love fine dining i love you know very simple rustic flavors um and that's evolved over time you know as i've been in the industry i cannot take the credit for designing the menu my my mm-hmm. team does that manoj our partner chef does that we had some consultants in the past as well who sort of contributed um but fortunately over 10 years of being in the food industry and being very critical in general of everything in life in terms of from a positive space not from a, uh, a you know toxic space uh i've developed a decent palate so at least um from my perspective i can tell if something works or doesn't work and it's just a combination of you know trusting my partner chef manoj uh, also, and uh, my own sort of inputs your father, you you mentioned your father used to travel a lot and bring a lot of yeah. things home where you were you did he expose you to a lot of different kinds of cuisine in your childhood itself or was that not i uh, i no nobody would come back from south america with like stale meat no no but here it says like because because one has traveled that much one has experienced and tried certain kinds of food so when you come back you can yes yeah. my father my father has a very global palate because of that but what we got was exposure to the culture so obviously right. with the culture come expectations and but not the food like specifically yeah. um but that happened later when i started traveling uh, you know a little bit here and there i haven't traveled too much in life a little bit here and there you know i've loved always loved to explore the place um and i had i had my one and only meal in a michelin one star restaurant uh, in 2018 in boston and oh. man holy shit <laughs> like the food was just unfreaking really my one of my very close friends from school lives in boston and i was staying with him for a few days and he said man i got to take you to this place just oh yeah so yeah so in terms of the food like um, right now we are in a kind of survival mode so we are not experimenting right now course, we've yeah. sort of boiled it down to a small menu of some of the very popular things from our menu um and we're also working with very small teams but once we are back in action you know it's this is a constant process of okay you know a combination of things that work which people like and a combination of again artistry in the kitchen so i want like yeah. you know monogenous team to have the flexibility to do what they want same thing with my bar team i keep pushing them and you know it's led by a gentleman named deepak and i keep pushing them um come up with some just like whatever you want just yeah, yeah. just always always create because otherwise it also becomes a very stagnant uh, yeah uh, job you know that's especially for somebody saying. who's competent yeah just, if you're competent at what you do you'll want to create yeah if you're incompetent at what you do then you'll be happy to repeat say where you are. yeah exactly yeah. so um so yeah. and, for, and also, fortunately our guys are competent so <laughs> 
so also a lot of the bands now in the indie scene that have become big started off you know playing small small gigs at uh, the sabdarjang place and 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 so now that has become a culture where you know up and coming indie artists want to perform at piano man and i'm sure you get hundreds of texts saying that listen i would like to play what can i do this is my audition this that and the other so what what is your suggestion to someone who is starting out like that and how should they approach of course so for example i had heard in one of your interviews that you know going back to the very beginning you started learning uh with someone who was not he he was a great teacher but he was not like your delhi school of music uh you know um uh course where they taught you you know the technicalities and everything properly and you got some kind of system in your hand well, and everything i i uh-huh. Yeah. yeah 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 no so i credit i credit my education not to because i never followed the uh, the grades and the delhi school system yeah i followed a teacher i followed john raffer yeah no no so, and so, correct before that i had teachers who didn't really uh, impart the right education uh, that put me in the right sort of growth mentality fortunately i was very hungry to learn so you're it's a very pertinent question and it always comes down to um, we do get we get a lot of people writing even right now a lot of people are sort of writing into us um yeah. right now we are also limited a little bit in what we can do uh you know in terms of sort of opening up the stage um but our policy remains the same internally we have a small team we review every one who writes to us we go through the music we try to make sure that we go through it within a week of it coming in and usually that has happened once in a while a mail gets missed here and there which I, you know i reprimand my team for quite often if that happens um but the idea is at the end of the day like be open and respectful to everyone who writes in but at the same time like a lot of people that are writing in are uh great musicians and then we sort of work out how to work them into our calendar a lot and a lot of people who are writing in are also sometimes you know playing sort of commercial hindi music which we don't uh which we which we don't yeah, host or diwali yeah. sufi music which we don't host so we tell them in fact in this week i've had about 8 10 kawali sufi bands writing to me um who have you know very polite conversations we don't but you know but i still listen to the music and i still sort of give my feedback on the music you know thank you enjoy it and enjoy it. the third category is where we actually struggle a little bit because not everyone is open to criticism so if somebody writes yeah. to us and we feel that they need to we feel that they need more work uh and that and that's okay it's okay to be in a position where you have to put of in the work um you know but not everyone thinks that like you know you see american idol right yeah <laughs> somebody will do something and they're like hey i'm the best in the world and you're like hey man yeah. please understand the reality of the situation open yourself up to the world um so i'm there to in here there are two types of people that write to us one are people that you know they'll come across to the club and say hi or they'll send me a personal message saying hi on facebook and all and they'll say you know we're sending you something please let us know what you think about it and i'll often reply saying listen uh before i listen to it do you mean that like do you mean yeah. that i should be positively critical about it mm-hmm. okay because i don't want a situation where you know i come back to you and i say hey man you know you, you need to work on this because for example you could be a great singer and accompanying yourself and playing some really bad guitar you know yeah. or you know you could be somebody who's having a difficult time sort of figuring out pitch or there could be some so if i come back to you and give you a critical advice are you going to say fuck you who the hell do you think you are yeah or are you going to say thank you let me work on that you know 
Um, or are you going to say that, okay, let me go back and figure out if what you're saying is right or wrong. And that's okay as well, right? I'm also, I'm, I'm no, um, I, I'm not the end all of you all of anything, man. And of as course. a musician, as a, my, my knowledge base is also limited to what I know. Okay, it's relative to my experiences, it's relative to my education. So uh, there are a lot of people who um, I, I feel like, you know, I can have an open conversation with and, uh, you know, positive uh, and constructive sort of feedback. And, um, and I try, you know, especially with young kids, you know, like guys like Proptoj and Bhavya and all who've been playing with us since the beginning. I, I forcefully then sort of encompass them and I say, okay, man, like I, for four years, I must have told Proptoj, sing lower. You know, he's singing these super high keys and I can, I can hear him straining his voice. And then, you know, two weeks ago, he's playing at the club and he starts with this really beautiful baritone. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I just cried, you know? Uh, because again, there's some experience, like there's some musical education behind what I know. And there's the experience of listening to fucking 3,000 bands in the last five yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's a little bit that, you know, sometimes I can possibly add to somebody's, uh, 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 you know, uh, interpretation of the music. So yes, it's, it's that situation where people are not receptive to critical feedback. It becomes very tricky. And we've had situations where we've replied saying that, hey man, we don't think you're ready for the stage. And somebody gets super aggressive. They're like, who the hell do you think you are? And, you know, this person played and I'm better than them. And I said, well, it's not about comparisons. You know, art is not about who's better than whom. Art is, what are you trying to express and have you put in the work to be able to express it? Do you have the technical tool set to express what you want to express properly? Yeah. Right? And... And at the end of the day, and I, I only use this as a last case when somebody gets super belligerent, hey man, it's my venue and it's my decision. Yeah. If you don't agree with it, open a venue. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't like to say that. I don't like to use that. That's not the purpose of a cultural establishment. But sometimes it just gets difficult. But that's very yeah. rare, honestly. More or less, uh, you know, it's, it's a medium to positive space where people are receptive. We try to be... Uh, our aim is to be always respectful and polite, even if we feel that somebody requires work. And uh, yeah, and you know, respect the stage, man. Don't get on the stage if you're not, uh, if you haven't done your homework. Uh, exactly. So, um, and so finally, just what we discussed earlier, what you said actually, you know, people who consume this kind of content and people who actually listen to this kind of music are people who are slightly informed about it, have spend some time over it, are, are read, are well read, or um, have, have made the effort to know about these kind of things. And so in our magazine, when we write these articles and put out this kind of content, we also assume that the people who actually want to read this and want to consume uh, articles on culture, actually, why? Well, the only reason someone would want to read it is because they're actually interested in it. So um, do you have any, like, message for that kind of our audience uh, who who is actually critically looking at some of these uh, aspects of Indian culture and different different um, aspects of the field of arts in itself and uh, in general we'll in, in our uh, on our website we also look at spaces and society as two different categories so in which we talk about individuals and we talk about particular spaces like piano man or alka and cannot place and places like that so um, People who are interested in knowing about these things, anything you would like to say about them, uh, to them, and uh, whatever you have coming up in the future. 
if you'd like to let us know about that. So, the, firstly, I'm grateful for every single person today who takes out the time to uh, because it's so easy not to. And to you, the informed person, I say, uh, bring a friend. You know, every individual person that you encourage to pay attention to, it doesn't always have to be just art or culture. Just to be sort of mentally present in the moment. Um, 80% of the people will say, bugger off. 20% of the people will understand, appreciate, and become a part of the So never be discouraged. And that's what we do. Like five years on, I still love getting in front of the stage and inviting people to listen. Um, that energy doesn't go because I know that every day that I do this, there's one, two, three, four different people who didn't give it that kind of attention, who are now giving it that attention. And out of those five people, one person will go home and do the research. Uh, okay, I have music, let me put on this artist. Oh, I heard this guy today, let me sort of figure out who it is. Um, and that that means the world. You know, on in one day it might be one or two or three people. In five years it's how. So look at it, look at it that way. So every day you make the effort is a positive day for humanity. <laughs> you know, every one of each one of us is contributing and doing our part. The more of us that do it, um, what is the other? What is the other part of your question? Sorry, I, had I mean, is, whatever, um, uh, whatever you have planned ahead uh, for the state oh. in general, and uh, okay. so the ne can... next three to six months. Yeah, the next three to six months for us are kind of. Also, I'm sorry, I, I didn't bring this up because I'm so musically inclined myself. But also, there is comedy and other things also happening. So, uh, uh, yeah. like we haven't discussed yeah. So, that. Either. At night, it's music every day. Yeah, uh, that's the messaging that we put out. Right, music every day. Uh, except it's not every day right now because we're closed on Monday. We're trying to sort of economize our operation. So we have active Tuesday to Sunday every day. And then we sort of, you know, it's also a cultural mandate, right? We want to do more so theater, comedy, all sorts of performing arts. We're that's trying right. to figure out newer and different ways to engage with them. And because we essentially built like world-class creators. I hope to think that they're world-class creators. I mean, in my mind, they are. Uh, so, you know, we want to use the space to allow people to create a better quality, especially in Gurgaon, you know, the quality of production is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we work with, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you know Yeshu Hebraj. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so his father is an incredible thespian, so he produced a few plays for us. Mother uh, uh, Mehta and Kostulba, it's hilarious one-man show which is like had us in splits you know we've done a couple of runs with them um in, in the in the delhi club i did a run with nisa from akshara we did a couple of movies uh, and uh, dialogue style uh, productions uh comedy you know we had we started with uh, uh in our vasan pehar place by the way we used to have comedy curated uh by uh, you know, uh oh my god been so long since I've interacted with Kapoor. Rajat Kapoor? No, Rajat Kapoor? No. Delete this portion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. So we had comedy curated in Vasan Bihar by some, you know. Uh, I, my, I'm so bad with names anyway because I have a lot of people like you. Then uh, Manik Wana came in. Um, you know, then a lot of other people came in. Manik, you know, uh, and the fun thing has been that a lot of the people who've been our hosts for comedy have also moved on to become like 
you know, uh, who, who, who the, the guys who won that uh, Comics Con on Amazon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Samay and Akash. Two. Samay and Akash. No, no. No, no. Another duo. Nishant and Rahul Dua. Nishant Suri and Rahul Dua. So they were our host for like a year almost. And then they won Comic Star and became huge. But still grounded. Like whenever they meet me, they're, you know, fortunately, ego is not one up. It's just the popularity. And they're lovely guys. Bussy was our host for a while. And now Bussy is with us like two. So it's lovely to see, you know, how there's happening. A lot of other comics that have sort of been there as well. And now we've given the curation to Rohit Gaur, uh, mm-hmm. who used to curate for um, the laughter, the Canvas Laughter Club. Yeah. He's a really, really, really sweet guy. Very, uh, he cares about this industry, the comedy industry. And that's the kind of person we want to work with. So he's curating comedy for us. So right now he's waiting to reply for the last week. Mm-hmm. And I haven't because I have some stuff that I'm trying to figure out. To have. But yeah, so it, it is... Uh, it is important. And I, I also, you know, I love the stage from all. I, I used to act a lot. Till 2010, I was on stage as an actor. Uh, you know, so I, I, I love the theater. So, you know, obviously, there's a little bit of selfishness that, you know, I drive towards things. Of course, that, that, that is what keeps you, like, uh, uh, wanting to work yeah. more and more and add yeah. yourself into the thing, I guess. That is the motivation. But then there's also... That's why the team is also important. Like you need right. to have other voices so that you have new points. So we yeah. And then and then we take this in. So you're talking about the last question I asked was what's the future of Piano Man? Yeah. yeah. I mean what 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 is uh, you have, do you have anything else? Uh, other than that, no. Uh, I think uh, we're good. Okay. But uh, I mean, I can. I have okay, lots so of questions I can keep asking, but I don't want to. Like, I, I I wanted to ask you about some of the regular bands you've had and which which ones are your um like. So please go ahead. Your... I have I have I have another thirty minutes. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So so yeah. So this is one uh, which is that since since it began, which are some of the bands that were, that used to play earlier, and which are some of your personal favorites. I know there are so many, so you will say are yeah, so many, but which are some of your personal favorites? I won't ask you your favorite, but yeah. Man, that's a very different question. It's a very different yeah. question. You know, there are memories that, like I said, I, I generally have a really bad memory for names and all, but I remember one, there was this one Japanese band, Yoshido Tokuda. And oh, yeah. the drummer in the drummer in that band was perhaps one of the most incredibly expressive musicians I've ever seen in my life. You know, uh, remind, reminded me of uh, you know Pierre Fabric. I've heard. Uh, I'm, not, Swiss. I'm not acquainted yeah. with the work that much, but I've heard. I've heard uh, some of the music. Yeah. yeah. So Pierre Fabre came to play the jazz yatra in the mid 2000s, mm-hmm. and then of all the random things that could happen on earth, he actually played with us in a jam session at Yacht, like two years ago. <laughs> so, you know, and so, and this, and this, you know, this, this Japanese drama, I think his name was, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm really, really bad. You know, so instances like this, we've had, we've had, uh, let, let me try to pull out, um, uh, from Brazil, you know, uh, um, Tulio Morao, Jim Porto, and uh, um, you know, a friend of mine, Mark, he wrote to me last year 
fabulous bass player. And he came down with uh, this Grammy-winning artist from uh, Brazil, along with uh, Angela. This I, I, I remember, uh, you know, uh, uh, Angela on drums, uh, uh, Frontera, so vividly because she's this like tiny woman, like you know, absolute sweetheart. Uh, slightly difficult to communicate with because of the language barrier, but I mean, uh, yeah. but not a problem as such. And uh, she grew up learning how to play the drums on the streets of Brazil, right? So she had that yeah. raw, yeah. emotional approach to play. You know, so that was you know, incredible. But it's so difficult, man. Mono Swayze, all of who became such close friends uh, over time, you know, uh, watching them here. Man, I, I can't do this. That's like, <laughs> I literally have to go through every single band. You know, yeah. um, you know we've, had, we've, had, we've had artists who've been so incredibly kind to us, you know. International artists, I think we sometimes make the mistake of assuming that India is very far behind in the way it treats its artists. As when I as I've interacted with so many insane musicians, I've started discovering that the world is broken. Like yeah. most musicians across the world deal with a lot of shit. So when they come here and you know, for us the artist is God. Like you know, artist is king. Yeah. And we try to we built our organization around that. Just to see them, you know, it's it's insane how kind and communicative and appreciative that they are, and I'm I'm honestly amazed every time because I I'm always under the impression that you know, only dunya mein ki hai clubs sirf yahan par kuch it's not it's not true. So you know, we built some beautiful relationships. My father is actually much better at keeping relationships up. Uh, you know, he sends out WhatsApp messages to most of the artists that have played at the other end. You know, my God, I, I feel bad taking that I've taken specific names because I have like just names flashing in my mind. Just the ones that come, and I, come and in. I want to say yeah. them, but I know we'll be here for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many, just example, let's say, uh, you know, from uh, from Austria, we had this band called Murray Later that uh, they've come twice uh, now to perform. Uh, once it's to place, once it's one later. Uh, and, you know, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, they're managed by uh, one of the musicians' uh, sisters, uh, uh, you know, Magdalene. And um, this is a person who writes to me almost every week, sending love and, you know, prosperity for, for Piano Man and the organization. And it's so touching. Like she reaches out. She just you know, it, the musicians firstly are some of the most incredible. They're like these super senior musicians who are sort of teaching at conservatory. Yeah. But it's that kind of care and that kind of love, you know, that we've been getting from all over the world. Uh, I take her name specifically because she writes like every week. It's like, are you guys okay? You know, how can we help from across the world? And I'm just like, man, the fact that you send us your love is is. You don't know so, what it means. And we get this, we get this all the way from Argentina, we get this all the way from, you know, Mexico, Brazil, from the US. Um, also because the interviews that I've been doing with musicians, you know, I've been sort of reviving some of the sort of older connects as well. And just, it, and when I reach out to them, I get such an unexpectedly beautiful response. Hey, how are you doing? You know, that's, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. 
I think I think so, at some level artists are there's another friend uh, on stage, you know, like no, but at, that's one thing. But like again, you know, there's there's a there's a degree of warmth that is beyond the transactional. No, no, not, but just the emotion yeah. of wanting to perform and, and talk about music and get back into, you know, just just in the musical space, you know, I just feel like that yeah. that is something. No, but that's that, what I'm saying. No, so a lot of the warmth, a lot of the warmth that's coming is just a human level warmth. It's not about the stage. It's not about performance. It's just that it's it's a it's a human bond that develops because what we think is a very baseline of. humanity that we need to offer our artist guests whether indian or international uh especially touring musicians seem to feel that that's above and beyond what is expected it shouldn't be it should be the norm yeah is my point like i'm not trying to do anything that i think is exceptionally brilliant i'm just trying to be a human being Yeah. and the fact that that is considered to be an exceptional service is sad yeah it should be the norm right so, so at, at one point it's helped me build these beautiful relationships uh, at the other end it makes me sad that you know such basic decency is turned into something exemplary yeah yeah so but on the other end of things what what, so, what are some of the craziest technical writers you've uh, received <laughs> some just general artist writers that you've got you don't have to name them but uh, uh, technical writers don't bother me man so i'm in, very i'm very upfront and blunt about this mm -hmm. like uh, when people send me and people obviously send us like especially like the bigger touring bands and management yeah. sectors like crazy tech writers i'm so i'm going to call them back check and make you i have never had to bring in them we have good equipment it's enough for anything else i'm very clear about that maybe okay for jojo mayer we got a specific drum kit because our drum kits are really basic of course for chick korea we got a specific piano because it's fucking chick korea yeah okay. of course <laughs> yeah. i was speaking yeah. i was speaking to the person who was doing sound that day i, I don't remember who it was that day but uh, i was speaking to him and he said he, he i was asking about the same question about how how is this how is this rider So he said, "Man, just don't even ask me today." But at the end of the day, it's fucking chick Korea. No, no, super. No, so no, so yeah. he said. No, but we didn't. We didn't use anything from the writer. You know, it's just there was a pair of three four one fours that they wanted, which uh, I didn't have. I requested. In fact, I think Mukul sent me yeah. Mukul Tarasweet. Uh, I think he sent me a pair of two one fours or something. I I, I don't recall. But uh, you know, eventually, yeah, yeah, he sent me a pair of two one fours or four one. Whatever. I eventually, I just bought a pair of posters that I never need to look for them again. You know, yeah. um, I, for me, like all the gear should be in house. Uh, otherwise, my cost will spiral out of control. How do I run it up? So I've received absolutely terrifying tech writers. And, uh, even if you don't adhere to that, but what are just some of the craziest requests you've gotten? I'm just uh, curious about just in general. <laughs> No, like crazy backlines, you know, you know, stacks of amps and stacks of uh, something or the other, and like, you know, crazy lighting control systems, and like, I'm just like, hey man, this is what I got. I promise it will service you beautifully. But it's never been like and I just I, want. Honestly, that's what whenever I have talked. 
you know, the, no, the biggest gripe you always had has been guitarists. Guitarists <laughs> have always been pissed with us for not having good amps. So we invested and we got good amps. So I've got a twin reverb in Gurgaon and I've got a blues tuner in Delhi. Right. So before that, we had the uh, much more basic cubes, cube twenties and forties, which also ninety nine percent of the gigs like do. But I actually, I understand the importance. As soon as I plugged in the same thing from a cube into a blues junior, different world. Actually, that's what I'm saying. So I'm going to forget the guitar. I'm going to apologize to them. And in general, when uh i don't know how to exactly put this but what is i mean obviously as a, as a, as a professional you will say that the customer is whatever the customer wants to do they do but what would be the ideal situation for you like ki ye ye are what we do anyway no no in the sense that what what would like if i tell you right now that Which night was the most amazing night in in the last three years, uh, vis-a-vis a gig? I'm sure you. Victoria. Can... <laughs> wow, I'm so I mean, glad. I mean, Victoria, man. Like, how do we, how do we, how do we? I mean, how do we compare it? I mean, there've been there've been incredible musicians. Exactly. That's why I was. At par, at you know, at par with the incredibleness of Victoria at the end of the day. Like it's very difficult to subjectively state why this is better or that's better. There are piano, you know, there are pianists who. There's a German pianist, Jero Kerner, who is a revelation on the piano. Indian pianist man, Ron Chao, Utsav Lal, Rhythm Bansal. When rhythm plays, I cry, man. Like they're yeah. beautiful. So obviously, but there's a history that comes with Czech Korea. Yeah. There is an institution. There is there is a sound that he's created. So yeah. you know, it's it's not just about. How beautiful a musician he is! Then it's also about what he's done for the world of music. Yeah. So you know the night that he played at Piano Man carried that history with him. Of course, yeah. So it's very difficult to look. You know, when people say, "Oh my God!" You know, Chick Corea. This is musically there are other incredible young musicians who are able to do what Chick Corea can do today. Yeah. But can they? But 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 we we forget yeah, that when people like Chikoria, yeah. it's it's history, it's legacy that they bring with them, man. And you hear yeah. it, you see it on their face. Every line on his face contains the experiences that he's, uh, yeah. you know, had over over the last seven decades. I mean, yeah, I can imagine. Like it's 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 quite amazing that I can't. I don't think I. You know, that night we we left we left the the club and we were telling each other. Then you know now if we have our kids at least we can say something that you know I went and saw met Chick Corea what have you done in life <laughs> you know like I went and you know I've been I've been very lucky that way my father used to take me for because he because I love music and he used to take me so with dad we I've met uh, Jeremy Spencer Fleetwood Mac hung out with him uh, hung out with Roger Waters uh you know when roger waters played bangalore we just turned up for we went to the show and the next day there was one hotel that had refused rooms so dad and i were like yahi par hoga and we just turned up there and roger waters was sunbathing next to the pool and his entire crew was there we hung out with him for like 2 hours uh mm-hmm. so like my father is also very like show ke baad go and meet the artist like he's just yeah. talking and going yeah i've done so you know, and i've i've it's it's yeah 
So when I when I you know in the for example in 2018 when I went to the states, uh, it was the first time I actually went to a lot of clubs. I went, I hung out with Karen Allison, I hung out with Roy Hargrove Jr. Like just just went and said hi and had a conversation. And it was amazing. Uh, like yeah, it's just the most amazing. Like I used to go for a lot of classical Hindustani classical concerts uh, as as a kid, and like I I remember once uh, Stick Monkey had done a, a show at at Modern School. You have to give me one second. I'm no, gonna plug in my phone charger. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. No, it's the wires on top. Okay, doesn't matter. So I'm at fifteen percent battery, and it's declining at the rate of one percent every two minutes. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, uh, Stigma K had done these concerts. They do these concerts in modern school, right? This entire series of Indian classical musicians. So I had gone I'm, I'm and listened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. So, uh, so I went. They also used to do them in my college in ITM. <laughs> so, um, uh, I went and listened to Hari Ji, uh, Hari Prasad Chaudhary, and. Uh, after the i was like i had never heard of him before i i'll be honest and i was uh, to be fair i was 11 years old uh, so oh, yeah. you know i was just going and sitting and listening to all of these and like to be fair i had i had some idea because you know again family of artists so we would listen to a lot of classical music and kumar gandharv and mansoor ji and uh, i i learned the tabla myself so zakir ji is just my god and you know that's how i also i started listening to jazz through mclaughlin and that after that i got into jazz but um zakir is also a sweetheart man i had a two hour conversation with him once <laughs> yeah i've only met him a couple of times but uh, i got like i was shivering those two times so i couldn't uh, really say anything much but uh, you know like literally my first interaction with him i was i think eight and he asked me how long have you been learning so i said four years so he said guess how long i've been learning so then how long Said forty years. So at this point, I was just like, "But why?" And I actually like an innocent child. I just asked, "But why are you still learning? You're the best." <laughs> so he's like, "No, no, no. You have to remember, as a musician, you have to learn forever. You cannot ever stop learning." And and, and yeah, like as a kid, it's such a normal thing. It's a it's a very cliched thing to say to someone. But as a kid, and he was genuinely like of another planet for me. So like that just stuck with me to another extent. you know so i completely understand that history and legacy thing that you're talking about it really plays a big role in how those things influence you as a, a personal uh, in a personal way also because technically yeah there are people who can play as fast or as uh, the, the same things that he's played but the the thing he did for indian classical music or fusion music or rhythm in general you know is just uh, it's unbelievable it's just beyond <laughs> comprehension at some level that's so, thing, you know a lot of people always i always find people who don't understand this point say ki oh so what but this guy can do that and i'm like mm, great i will respect this guy who can do that as well but man don't take away somebody else yeah right like and also because it is a, it is it's not just a, a legacy born out it's not like uh, uh, with all due respect to it it's not like gangnam style you know it's not like it just became popular on youtube one day and just blew up it is something that is organic there's nothing wrong with that either yeah, yeah not that there's anything wrong with that but it's a very uh-huh. different kind of legacy that is created which is which is historically entrenched in a way that will last uh 
for generations whether it's even just 10 15 people who are listening to that kind of music in the world right and and that is the beauty of it at some level is what i feel but um so with with online these online sessions you are having what what are some of the biggest uh, logistical hassles and and just as just as an audience what is uh, what what is uh, like i was asked this question once I, I, we wanted to do like a small series of musicians coming and performing and doing things but we were asked this that why shouldn't i just go to youtube and listen to a proper recording of them rather than come on a zoom call and listen to that and then have exactly. like off gaps and all of that yeah so so what what are those challenges that one faces when try, one tries to curate events like this and no if you notice yeah. that we mostly do interviews and the concerts yeah. we've done we make sure that there's excellent internet connectivity and excellent equipment on the other end to actually get good quality but i completely agree with the chain of thought that if you don't have a very solid and secure um, infrastructure might as well listen to the same artists existing recording to high quality and you know get an opportunity to enjoy the music properly and then listen to the artists live so that's why we haven't done too many uh, live events but we we done a few uh, shows which was which yeah. was absolutely fab because the artists actually put in the effort to ensure that they were streaming high quality yeah uh, and in general um what is the i wouldn't say way forward but um you know the still i i feel like the whole attitude towards all of this music and art and everything has changed now because of the corona virus like you said things that were being taken for granted say in a live show are now being taken for granted less but you said the audience is still the people who actually really want to come and listen to this kind of music and because they are yeah, starving right now it will be that because yeah no no so that right now also to understand that people's action is governed by fear yeah so no, there are people scared of going out so no no that is right my my question was a larger question that you know sometimes these spaces get categorized this is not uh, this is not the message you are trying to put out but this is how it gets categorized that it's for elite people or it is only for a certain place a strata of society to go and listen to so how can that 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 gap be bridged that it's not it's not like only snooty people who listen to jazz you know man i don't know how i've been trying to bridge this gap with varying degrees of success over the years yeah just because we put in a lot of time and money building a beautiful environment it's I've seen people themselves categorize it as, oh no, this is meant for like this will be a very expensive yeah. place for like very sort of rich people. I'm like, have you actually come and tried it out and seen what it yeah. is? You know, um, and every day there are people I encounter who are like, oh, you know, we just came because uh, you know music was not our place. Jagan niti, we were very scared that this place will be taken over. But this is great because we are. I mean, honestly, man, I have no. You come in your chappal, you come in your chaddi, you come. I don't give a shit, right? I want people to care about what's happening. I don't, you know, you don't buy anything. I'm okay with that as well, right? Um, so it's 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 a con, it's a messaging that we constantly put up. I am not going to build a not phenomenal space just to have people not consider it to be elite. You get my point? Yeah. Like I'm yeah. not going to affect the quality, the infrastructure that I want to provide to artists, just because people think, "Yeah, ye itna sundar bana hai, to matlab mehengi jagah hogi aur great jagah hogi." That's it's 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 moronic. Okay, 
and just because we are building beautiful spaces it doesn't mean that there's a limitation to who's welcome everyone yeah and i love telling the story yaar mera the mukesh my parking guy in sabdhan he's also identified he comes and check kaun sa music baje he likes it he comes and listens to it also yaar and for me it's a point of pride that i've managed to get a guy who comes from not a very high exposure background yeah to enjoy some of the music that plays in my club and he's welcome as welcome as anybody else so you know we've had situations where you had ceos of companies sitting next to you know a 15 year old struggling artist who trying to figure out what they want to do in life sitting next to you know it's it's you are irrelevant in front of the art is my point yeah yeah just when you're yeah. here just absorb the art it doesn't matter yeah. who's on your left who's on your right today it matters today there's some social but otherwise you know it doesn't really matter the environment is it should comprise of uh, ideology and not uh, in fact one thing that really reflects that philosophy within piano man itself is the jam sessions that happen so like if you could yeah. maybe talk I'm down to 8% Yeah. yeah okay so we'll just keep this one and then uh, maybe yeah. you could just talk yeah. about what is uh, planned next but uh, maybe talk about some of your uh, some of the more memorable sessions and how this came to be in general and you know what's the idea and how like i i i i'll be honest like when i came first time uh, i felt slightly conscious like sino said me come no come play we'll have some fun and i felt slightly conscious because i just i i just had the most amazing time of my life and seen an amazing group of talented musicians play and now he's telling you so what is the idea behind it and how should people like get uh, get involved with it so when you are trying to become an artist especially in the realm of jazz education is critically important but actually learning to interact with other musicians is really important and that's what yeah. jam sessions globally are being used for is to get people in you need to have experienced knowledgeable musicians who can push you Yeah. you need to go so the way for I, this is how it for the young artist who wants to start playing jazz this is what i say prepare one or two songs yeah come for the jam session and tell whoever is leading the jam hi i come prepared with these one or two songs when may i join hmm. you will be invited yeah you will be invited and so many musicians you've seen how that the jam sessions slowly 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 been expanding you know and uh, you know there's a new vanguard of musicians coming out from and the old vanguard when they started playing like rhythm when he started his first show at piano man still beautiful but he was a baby like he just started playing <laughs> and aditya on drums aditya datta and today they're two of the most terrific musicians in the country they're phenomenal the way they express and play is just and they they've been playing the jam session for three years three and a half years you know and and also the gurna jam session so you got to put in the time man like it doesn't you know it doesn't happen if you're not willing to do that and the jam sessions are supposed they're, they're a pure and pristine space for you to actually like be receptive and be communicative you can learn so much and don't be scared like it's okay to be scared but push through the fear and play one song like come ready to play one song on your instrument or singing yeah so and one more thing visually your legacy do you want to be known as someone who is like a cultural linchpin in 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 uh the space of curation and promotion of jazz and independent music or would you like to be known more as an entrepreneur even though they are overlapping at at a very large level 
Um, <laughs> I honestly don't give a shit. No, but legacy. I like, don't give a shit. You're talking I'm, about I'm concerned of no, no, dude. I'm 35. Let's not talk about legacy. Who the fuck am I today? So no, that's what. What is the plan? Like, yeah. how how would you like to take your the career forward? And what plan would you is like to, to work? Fair enough. Plan is to work. Yeah, I'm at five percent. Huh? Might die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't I don't think in terms of legacy. I don't think it. For me, every day is okay. What what am I doing today, and how can I improve it? That's it. Now that's I think the best attitude to have visiting these kind of spaces. But uh, uh, so yeah, if you have anything to tell us about what is planned next and what uh, we can look forward to. Um, uh, so the next three to six months are a tricky time period. So we it's a combination of being very careful and uh, ensuring that everyone around us is safe. At the same time, starting to put out some content. So it'll be unlike our programming path. We're repeating artists a little more often because there are fewer artists who are willing to come out for them, and we respect everyone's choice. Uh, you know, a lot of my dear friends who are great musicians want to stay home for multiple reasons, and I tell them the same thing. They just call me whenever you're ready to come out. You know, uh, yeah. until then, you know, you do you, and I'll do I'll do me. So um, yeah, and after after this period sort of passes, which it will at some point. Then the idea is to we're we're working on a couple of strategic partnerships that will help us open up the country even more, and the idea is that we're going to come back with a huge bank. So we're trying to create logistical partnerships so that we can start getting in banks from all over the country weekly, as opposed Amazing. to once. Um, and hopefully the partnership should be in place in the next two three months. That you know whenever three to six months is the time period that we're assuming for, you know, Corona. Um, yeah. Uh, but whatever it is, whenever it goes, we'll be there. We'll be ready to uh, just explode, explode and bring in whatever we can. Uh, at the same time, even now, now it's cautious. Stay low, stay under the radar. Few, we have very limited seating in our clubs. We're not uh, messing around with these things. And uh, it's just like okay, a couple of people come in every day, enjoy. Our target is to try to reach a space over the next two, three weeks or a month where we are not burning money in. But the last seven months, we burnt a lot of money through yeah. giant spaces, rents, EMIs. You know the costs add up. Um, uh, so yeah, so we're trying to get to a place where we are not burning money, and once we get there, we're happy to stay there for six months because so, we don't have money to burn. So we're taking loans, and how much debt can we take? Can't take debt to pay debt, man. That's a debt trap. Yeah, that's, that's the worst. Very yeah. dangerous, and that's where we are. That's where most of the industry is right now. So, but we know we see. Even now, over the last month of running, we see that there is a bright future. So yeah. we're not, we're less worried today than we were. No, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. At least personally, as a big fan of the space, and uh, thank you so much uh, for joining, joining me today, and having such a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And uh, I look forward to meeting you uh, uh, very, very soon yeah. in one of the spaces. Open. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Open. We'll do the shoulder tap thing. Yeah, <laughs> done. Yeah. <laughs> Take care, man. Stay safe and see you soon. I I hope everyone, all your friends, and you are safe and uh, medically and everything. Yeah. Is, everything is good. Uh, and yeah, thank you. See you. <laughs> Bye, man. Yes. Bye.